Amen. All right. I want you to notice verse 14 of Hebrews chapter, uh, verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 12. Look what it says. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of bread sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. So we all are familiar with that story. And I want us to turn back and look there. Go to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And uh, we'll start reading in verse 27. But you're familiar with the story of Esau. But notice how in Hebrews it mentions, you know, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. How he went and he took something valuable and he threw it away for one morsel of bread. Okay? And now why did he do that? Why is it that people throw away things that are of great value for sometimes the smallest things? And we see here that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, you know, it was now too late. He found no place of repentance. There was no going back. He lost it, even though he sought it carefully with tears. I mean, he's crying about it. He's wishing that he hadn't done it, but it was too late. The damage was done, and it was all done for one morsel of bread. Okay, so why, but why did he do it? Obviously, there was a reason for it. Well, we're going to see that here in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 27. It says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of the venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, that the same red pottage, for I am faint, therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him, and sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So why did Esau sell something so valuable for something so little? Because he was hungry, and he was tired. That's pretty much it. Esau, he totally, he just totally gave in to the flesh. Did something that he never would have done in his, in his right mind, or something he never would have done with a full stomach. He would not have done something like that. But he was hungry. That was all he was thinking about. And all, and you know, that birthright, he's, you know, he's probably young here and he's thinking that's not for a long time when I would receive that inheritance. And I need food now is what he's thinking. I want it now. And so he ends up selling his birthright. And here in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, when we, uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna go through a lot of this here in a little bit. I don't want to read the whole passage right now, but it starts out it mentions, you know, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We're in a race, okay? Racing and running is something that's kind of a painful thing, isn't it? It can be painful. You know, you'll get that pain in your side. You're going to get tired. You're going to get short in breath. And, you know, I, and I, I like to run. I do a lot of running and I've, I've ran in some races. And it's amazing how your body, when you're running, sometimes will tell you that you're dying. I mean, it will tell you you're dying. It will tell you to quit. 
and it'll tell you you can't go another step. But, you know, a lot, a lot of times you do. And, you know, and I've noticed, too, you know, I mean, I'm not I, I've been in some of these races before and especially with young people, with a lot of teenagers who clearly are in better physical condition than I am. But I can beat them most of the time just because of the simple fact I know my limits where they don't. You know, when their body's telling them that, it, that it's dying, like mine is, they believe it. Where, you know, I know, no, I can get through this thing. I can survive this thing. I know how to push myself. I, I, know, I, I know how to pace myself. And I notice, too, some of the best runners um, are a lot of times guys in their 40s and 50s that, I mean, can blow me away. You know, who should be in my prime. I did a 10K here uh, in Sterling a while back. And, um, I mean, most of the people that beat me in that were people that were quite a bit older than me. There was a, there was a lady, not trying to be, you know, discriminate or anything, but, you know, she's, she's a lady and she was probably pushing 50 and she slaughtered me in the 10K. I'm like, good night, you know. But at the same time, I beat a lot of the young people <laughs> in that. And, the, and these people, they do, they just, they kind of know their limits. And, but your body, it does, it lies to you. And I've been there before when I've been, when I'm not in an actual race, I'm just exercising by myself and I just give up. I give up and I quit. And you realize when you do that within minutes, you're like, I could have done a lot more than that. You know, why did I quit so e Why did I quit so easy? And we see that in this past, you know, it talks about, you know, how we're running in a race. And it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We'll get more into that for a little bit. But then he goes on, we're not going to read everything in here, but then he talks about, you know, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Uh, he says in verse uh, uh, 11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, okay? It's not fun being chastened, but, you know, Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. This produces something good. Just like when you're exercising, when you're in the pain, while it's not fun at the moment, it's producing something. It's making you stronger. It's making you better. And so, that's a good thing. But at the same time, most of us today, we, have, we give in to the littlest things. We let the littlest things stop us from doing the things that we're supposed to do. And, I, and tonight's not a message about exercising or, or health or anything like that, but I'm going to use a lot of illustrations there. I'm talking about spiritual things tonight. But you know, as Christians, a lot of times we like to think that we're spiritual enough that we would make the right choices in the most difficult situations. I mean, if we were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're not going to bow the knee. You know, if we're Daniel... We, we're gonna pray, you know, three times a day like he did. We like to think we would do those things. We like to think that we would, that we would die before, you know, renouncing Christ. We like to think that we would die before we would take the mark of the beast. Alright? I think we all would say that we would do that, you know, but the truth is, most of us have a habit of giving in to the smallest things on a regular basis. And these little things you say, well, the, you know, Taking the mark, that's a big deal where, you know, giving into some of these little things, not a big deal. And I understand that there are, there's a difference there. But at the same time, if we have this habit of just giving in to the littlest things, to throwing things away for just the smallest things like Esau, who threw away his birthright for one morsel of bread, 
If we're in the habit of doing that every day, what makes us think that we're going to do the big things? That we're going to be able to say, you know, or do the right thing when it comes to the big things? The truth is, it's usually the little things that get us in trouble. And the time I mess tonight is losing to little things. Most of us get defeated by the little things. We like to talk about the big things. We like to preach about the big things. But I want to talk about little things tonight. And when I was uh, preparing this message, I thought about a verse in Amos chapter 5. In verse 18, this verse I think is interesting, but it says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord, to what end is, what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. And if a man, or as if a man did flee from a lion, and a bear met him, or went into the house, and leaned his hand upon the wall, and a serpent bit him. So, you know, imagine that situation, running from a lion, that'd be pretty scary. And then as you're running from the lion, you run into a bear. And you run to the bear, but you get in the house, you finally feel safe, you kind of lean on the wall, taking a breath, I'm all good, and then you don't even realize that there's a serpent right there, and it bites you, and boom. You got, you got taken out by the little thing. You know, the, thi- the, the thing that actually you could win against in a match. Alright? You know, I'm scared of snakes, but if it comes down to it, and it's me versus, you know, a smaller serpent, you know, I think I could win. <laughs> but unless it's like some big anaconda or something like that. But at the same time, you know, this is a small one here. You're not going to be in your house leaning on the wall when there's a giant one. It's a little thing. It's the little things that get us all the time. And we need to learn to start getting victory in little things in our life. Because that's the, th- the kind of thing that's going to affect our character. And it's important that we teach our children how to get victory in the little things. If we want them to get victory in the big things later, they've got to start getting victory and the little things. So, you know, it's like we do. We, you know, I, I'd say no. I'd let them cut off my head. Well, really? Because, you know, that would probably hurt pretty bad. And most of us, you know, we can't even tell our body no, no to the donut. Alright? And, and I'm, I'm there too. You know, I, I, you know, I decide I'm going to go on these diets and things all the time and I, I give in at the first soda I see, you know, or whatever it is. You know, just, I mean, whenever I go on any kind of diet, if I fast or anything, I mean, it's a guarantee I'm going to drive by McDonald's and, you know, the McRib is going to be back. It's going to be in the sign McRib's back or something like that, something that I really like. And, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to want to give in to something like that. It's just, it's, I don't understand how that works, but, you know, we've got to learn. You say, well, that's not a big deal if you take that. Well, we need to learn to start getting victory in small things. I mean, if we can't even handle that, what makes us think we're going to be able to handle the big things? You know, most of us, we can't stop ourselves from hitting the snooze button all the time. You know, we want to read our Bibles, but we never get up early enough. You know, we, and I so I'm going to get up early tomorrow. I'm going to get up 15 minutes early so I can, you know, get a little time of devotion in before I go to work. But what do you do? You wake up and you hit the snooze button. And you don't have time now to do your Bible reading. You failed again. For what? For an extra 15 minutes of sleep. You didn't do what you decided you were going to do. You said you were going to read your Bible and you didn't do it for 15 minutes of sleep. You think about you know, how many people went through 2017 and they didn't read through their Bible again in 2017 either. Why? It only takes, I don't know, I've never timed it up, probably only 15, 20 minutes a day, would probably get you through your Bible in a year. Easy, I would, I would guess. I, I think probably 15 minutes a day would probably do it. I've never added it up. But 
Most people aren't going to do that. Most of the people, they wasted that much time hitting their snooze button. They wasted that much time watching commercials on TV or watching some stupid television show. I mean, your average stupid garbage sitcom is about a half hour long. You know how much Bible you can get done in a half hour? But people can't even say no to that stupid television show. And one of the reasons I know I don't ever want to get cable or anything like that is when I'm places where there is TV, you know, I'll watch it and I watch stuff that's so boring. You know, I'll watch the news and I'll watch them tell, do all these stories that I am just completely uninterested in. Why? Because it's there. And it's just a huge waste of time and people, they're, they're, you know, year after year, they're not accomplishing their goals because they can't say no to the news that they don't even care that much about. To a lame sitcom. It's something like, you know, it, it's, it's sad. We've got to get victory on these things. You know, most of us, we just listen. We do whatever our bodies tell us to do. I don't want to get up today. I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to read my Bible. And we do it. We just, we give in to it. And chances are, most of us in here will, will probably not face the guillotine unless the you know tribulation starts in our lifetime. But even if we do, what makes us think we're going to be able to conquer those things when we can't even conquer the littlest lust of the flesh? I mean, if Esau sold his birthright, sold the inheritance for one morsel of bread because he was hungry, if you know what what makes us think that we would, you know, say no to Life, you know, I mean, we you know, just just to avoid the pain. I mean, it's it, we we give in easy. What is it that we need to do to start helping ourselves get victory? Right? Because that's what it comes down to. We've got to get focused on this. And you, as, as parents, too, you need to instill this stuff in your children because you need to teach your children to get in a habit of getting victory in their life. Because a lot of kids today. You know, they're being taught they're all winners. You know, everybody gets a trophy, all that kind of junk. You're all wonderful no matter what you do. And they never succeed in anything. They never get any victories. They never conquer anything. They're lazy. They watch TV all day. They're playing video games all day, all night, all that kind of junk. And they never get any real victory. And I'm sorry, beating a video game is not a real victory, all right? That doesn't count as a real life victory, okay? And, you know, listen, I've got some... I could probably take anybody in here in Mario Kart, all right? You know, but you know, that's, that's that's nothing to be proud of. Okay, Th- those things are not real victories. I'm not can't saying you, I'm not saying you can't have some pleasure every now and then. But you know, make your kids earn those pleasures, all right? If you're gonna let them play video games and stuff, you know, make them accomplish something first. You know, make them do their schoolwork for the day <laughs> before you let them play their video games. Make you know, make them accomplish something, but. Some things that we can do to help ourselves start getting victory. And look, uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. We've got to start thinking about these things and making them a part of our life. Because it is, it, it's, it's amazing how many people just fail at the littlest things all the time. And then you've got to listen to some of these people talk about how they do the big things. I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all when you can't get any victory over the big thing or the little things. First Corinthians six twelve says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, 
but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. One thing you've got is if you're going to start getting victory in life, you have got to have a goal and actually a real desire to achieve it. I, and you have to start purposing things in your heart. Because notice what Paul's saying here when he's saying all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. Okay? As a Christian, you know, we've got eternal security, don't we? You know, there's nothing that, if you're saved, there's nothing you can do that would cause you to lose your salvation. But are all things profitable for us to do? And he mentions fornication. Alright? Fornication is mentioned in there. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to give my body to that. Even though it might be something that he desired, he's like, I'm not going to give myself to that because that kind of thing is a sin and I'm not going to be brought under the power of anything. And most Christians today, they are under the power of certain sins and they shouldn't be. Because, why? Because they've been delivered from bondage, the Bible teaches. But yet they go and they yield themselves members you know, they're, they're members to those lusts of the flesh instead of yielding to the Spirit of God. And as a result, they don't accomplish anything for God. They're too busy failing. They're too busy doing the wrong thing. They're too busy, you know, getting out of church. They're too busy getting caught up in sins. And God can't use them because they're a dirty vessel. Why? Because they just keep giving their body whatever it wants. And he's saying here, when he's saying, you know, meats for the belly, the belly for meats, God shall destroy both it and them. Okay, you know, this body that I have one of these days, it's going to finally die and it's going to go into the grave and it's going to rot away and deteriorate into nothing. So why would I focus my life on giving this what it wants? Wouldn't it be better for me to give myself to the things of the Spirit? Okay, and we all know that's what we're supposed to be doing, but why don't we do that? Because our body's very demanding, isn't it? Our body is very demanding. And when, you know, meats for the belly, bellies for meats, you know, we, we, we've all heard the statement, you know, you should eat to live, not live to eat. But at the same time, tell my body that, you know, and we, we, we like those things. And you say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get this kind of thing under control. But you all know, it, okay, we've all been there. We've all tried it. Our body is a, is a liar. It lies to us. It tells us we're starving to death when we are not starving to death. I don't know how long it takes to starve to death, but it takes a long time. But yet, I mean, we go just hours without eating and we're dying. I mean, I can't even go a day without eating an animal without thinking I'm dying. I have to eat an animal every day. I can't live on just fruits and vegetables for one day. Now, medically, what I'm saying there is ridiculous. I could live on fruits and vegetables for one day, I think. But but my body tells me something completely different. My body likes the meat. My body likes the sugar. My body likes you know likes the caffeine. It likes those things, and it's easy to just keep giving yourself over to those things and just do what it says. But you know what? I need to get this body under control. I need to get victory in my life. And but if you don't have a real desire for it, you know. It's just, it's not going to happen. Your desire for, you know, health or whatever has got to be greater than the desire for that 
donut. And I'm telling you, folks, nobody desires junk food more than me. All right, I, I desire it. I get away with it to a certain extent because of my, my physical job that I have. And, you know, I'm worried about myself. One of these days it's going to catch up to me. You should see what happens to everybody that quits my job that I have in a matter of just a couple months. I mean, they, they put, I want to go full time here at the church as soon as possible. I'd go tomorrow if I could, but I'm worried about what's going to happen. All right. Y'all are going to have to start paying me out real good because I'm going to have to probably buy a whole new wardrobe. I don't know if unless I can start getting some victories. Unless I can start, unless I can tell myself no to some of the junk. Unless I can tell myself yes to getting out there and exercising and kind of making up for the change in my routine that, that's going to come. But um, you've got to have a goal and you've got to be determined. That's one of the main reasons I like doing some of the races and things that they do around here. Is it just, it gives me a, a reason to exercise. I got to have something motivating me. I got to have some kind of goal, some kind of challenge. And those things, those things help me. But, you know, Esau, uh, we see the Bible says that he despised his birthright. You know, and that was, um, you know, it's like a lot of people today, they despise, you know, their life. They despise their health. They despise their walk with God. And they will get, just get out of the will of God for the smallest things. They'll get out of the will of God for just a little more money. You know, they'll leave the will of God for that little raise. They'll, you know, hurt their family so they can get a little more money, you know, working that shift that's going to make it where they're hardly able to be with their family anymore. And you've got to think about those things and stop giving in, stop saying yes to these things that are going to hurt you. And many Christians who, you know, who sell out to the world, they usually end up hating what they sold. Because that's what we see about Esau. So this Esau despised his birthright. I know people that used to be, I mean, independent, fundamental, King James Bible, even Baptist, who were, had standards and separation, and they sold out. And now, they hate everything we stand for. They hate, I know, I know preachers that, I mean, they hate women who dress like a lady. Women who wear skirts and culottes, they, they can't even stand seeing a pair of culottes. It just bothers them greatly. Why, why do they despise that so much? Why do you care so much how another lady dresses? You know why? Because they sold out. Why? Why'd they sell out? Because they were so weak, they were so given over to the flesh, that they couldn't even handle maybe somebody looking at them like they might be different. They couldn't even handle that. I mean, that's how, you know, in tune with the world they were. They couldn't even handle that that they did. They sold out just so they could fit in with everyone else. And now they hate those of us who still care about those things. Who still think that ladies ought to dress like ladies and men ought to dress like men. And you know, um, and un- But unfortunately, with a lot of people, uh, it's like, yeah, all things are lawful. So I'm going to take advantage of that. You know? I'm not going to worry about doing those extra things. I'm not going to go the extra mile. You know, and it's and back to health thing. All right? and I said, don't get mad. I'm bringing some of this stuff up. But it, these are good illustrations. When it comes to the health things, you know, all things are lawful. Okay? There's no, I can't find anything in the Bible against Twinkies. All right? You ought to try a grilled Twinkie cooked over fire. Somebody made one of those for me the other day. That makes it taste a whole lot better. I'm sure it's bad. For, I've heard deep fried Twinkies are really good too. I haven't had that yet. But... uh uh, 
I'd, if you waved one of those under my nose, I'd probably be all over it like ugly on an ape. I'm telling you that right now. But at the same time, you know, that's lawful. But are these things expedient? Are these, are these things helping us out? Are they making us better, you know, physically? And, you know, it's sad too. You say, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. We're not committed to be in shape and stuff. But you know how many people, they'll, they can't go to church like they're supposed to. You know, they can't go out soul winning. They can't do all these things because they're in such bad physical health. Well, now all of a sudden those things do matter. And you can see how it may have been lawful for you to eat that way, but it certainly was not expedient. But unfortunately, many people just, they're, they're not caring about those other things. It's not a goal for them to, you know, to be a soul winner and to be winning people to Christ. It's not a, it's not a goal for them to be a strong Christian doing great things for God. And many Christians, they just, they don't want to see people saved that bad. It's, it's not a big deal to them. They don't really care. They don't really want it. And there, you know, there are some things that people get caught up in, you know, like, you know, like the fitness people or, um, you know, other things, you know, the health or even things like community involvement that, and, and if you, if you're into those things, you know, you're not, or if you're not into those things, it doesn't make you a bad person, but you know, isn't there some things that all of us should want? Okay. As believers who have the Holy Spirit inside of us, shouldn't all of us want holiness in our life? Shouldn't there be a desire for us to be holy, you know, isn't it? Shouldn't there be a desire for us to see souls saved, to see our families grow? You know, I almost think today that this birth control society we have—that's all about you know women not having kids and all that kind of thing—and that you know the way people frown on big families, I think it's rubbed off into the spiritual family. It's like we got spiritual birth control in the church, you know. So let's pull the plug. On soul and you know, let's pull the plug on things that are going to be getting people saved. Let's just be comfortable with the little family that we have here. You know, let's not do the work of you know bringing more people into the church that we've got to train and you know. And, and have you not been to those churches before where it's all real spiritual people in the church, all mature Christians in the church, no babes in Christ? Well, you know what? It's nice when you know your kids are getting older. And you don't have the diapers and things to change and stuff like that. You know, it does get a little easier. But you know what? We ought to be willing to go back and do the work again. I was just talking to somebody at work, one of the ladies at work. She has three kids that are all under five years old. And I had mentioned that you know, this was before my wife miscarried. And I mentioned we had number seven coming. And she's like, you know, she's just, you know, baffled. And seven kids, you know, how could you do something? You know, how, how could you even think of that? You know, I've got three and, you know, I can't even handle the three that I've got. And I was asking how old her kids were, and she said they're all under five. And I was like, you know, when all your kids are little like that, it is hard. It is a lot of work. But as they get older, I was like, it, it gets easier. And, you know, when we had Lana, you know, she was pretty easy because we had older kids that could help with her. And, you know, the, and the next one that we have, it'll be the easy, I think it'll be the easiest one yet. But you know what? It's still, there's still going to be some challenges. I'm going to have to change diapers again. And, you know, occasionally, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to buy diapers again, you know, when, when that day comes. And so, uh, while I don't necessarily, you know, think of that as an exciting thing, you know, it's worth it. All right. And it's, but it, a lot of people, they're so desperate to not do any work 
that's like even in their churches spiritually, they don't want new people to come in because there is some work. There's some messes that you're going to have to deal with. There's the fits that are going to be thrown. And I, I don't want to have one of those churches which is all spiritually mature people. I want us to always have the new converts and people that are growing in the Lord. I think that's an important thing and a good sign of a, health, a good sign of a healthy church. And the last thing we need is the spiritual birth control in our church, like we're seeing in other churches. I think that's a sad thing. It's a selfish mentality, and we need to stay away from it. But um, it's important to turn over to Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-four. If we are going to start getting success in the little things too. It's important that we surround ourselves with people who will challenge and motivate us. And it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, you know, every pastor's favorite passage, it says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Part of what we do in the church is we provoke others to love and good works. Okay? We're pushing each other to do better. We're, we're promoting that in our church. We're trying to... We, one of the reasons we come here is so we'll get provoked to be better and so we can provoke other people to be better. We should want there to be spiritual people in this church that challenge us. We should like being around Christians that make us look like crummy Christians. You know, we, we all usually hate really spiritual people, don't we? But we ought to love those people. We ought to let them motivate us. You know, I I, sh- I want to be around pastors that motivate me. I want to be around pastors that are better preachers than me and that are better soul winners than me and that are harder workers than me, that are doing more than me. That way, it'll provoke me to do more. I shouldn't go hanging out with the lazy guys that are doing nothing just to make me feel good about myself. That's a terrible attitude to have. And you know, we we that's why we don't want to... You shouldn't want to go to the liberal church. And you know, I call them like the Planet Fitness Churches. Okay, if you're anybody familiar with Planet Fitness, all right, Planet Fitness, it reminds me of the modern church today. It's you know the modern church, you know, with with their uh, judgment-free zone. Okay, when you Planet Fitness, that's their thing, judgment-free zone. When you go in there, nobody's going to judge you. That's what people want when they come to church. I I want to go to church where nobody, you know, looks down on me. And you know what? I don't. I don't even think in most churches when people go in there, people are actually looking down on them. It's just sometimes they go into churches where there's a lot of spiritual people and it convicts them. It makes them feel bad. And they don't like that. You know, I want to go to a church, you know, it's like they don't want to go to church where everybody's dressed up nice. You know, they like these casual churches. They don't like it when preachers get up there and preach hard. They feel like they're being judged. They get convicted in Planet Fitness, they've all about their judgment-free zone. And that's one of, the, one of the biggest things. I want to go somewhere where I'm not made to feel bad. But, you know, we sometimes need to feel bad. We sometimes need to get mo- motivated. Sometimes we need somebody to give us a good kick in the pants is what we need. Another reason people like to go to Planet Fitness too, it's cheap. Alright, it's really cheap. It's like $10 a month go to Planet Fitness. But you know, the problem with that is we don't take things serious that don't cost us anything. And if you're only paying $10 a month for a gym membership, you're not going to feel like you're wasting your money if you don't go. And I think that's how they make all their money. They've got like the whole town giving them $10 a month and only, you know, 5% of the people actually go there on a regular basis. You know, Planet Fitness would probably go out of business if everybody that was, uh, you know, 
who uh, was paying the monthly fee was actually there on a regular basis. They wouldn't have. They probably wouldn't have enough machines. That's probably how they make their money. But we don't. We don't take things serious that don't cost us anything. The other thing too that Planet Fitness is real big. No gym intimidation is what they call it, which means no one, you know, nobody to make us feel bad. For our sorry condition, you know. And listen, I'm, I'm glad places, you know, they make people dress modest and all that. But it's like at Planet Fitness, they don't like the really in-shape people there. Why? Because it makes the out-of-shape people feel bad. But shouldn't that be, you know, why would you, why do you want to go to, to me, if you go into a gym and everybody there is out of shape, doesn't that just scream failure? You know, you would think people would want to go there somewhere where, hey, all everybody is in shape thinking, hey, if I do what these people do, I will be in shape. But people would rather go to one where nobody's in shape. And so, and wouldn't you, when it comes to a church, wouldn't you want to go to a church where there's a whole bunch of really spiritual people? Wouldn't you want to go to a church where there's a bunch of people better than you? That way you could say, you know what, I'll come and I'll do what these people do, and then I'll be spiritual one of these days. But no, they want to surround themselves with spiritually out of shape people. So they don't ever have to feel bad. And you know what? That's why, you know, Planet Fitness, while it'll probably be successful as a business, most of the people there are probably always going to fail because sometimes we need to be gym intimidated. Sometimes we need to be, you know, we need, we need that motivation. We need that shame, you know, that we need to go back to in the schools, the PE coaches that call the boys girls and, you know, call them wimps and throw basketballs in their faces and things like that. We need to go back to some of that stuff. To motivate people. We need that. The other thing too, you know, and, and the Planet Fitness too, it's like, you know, no in- intensity is allowed. You know, if, if guys are, you know, they're not allowed to be yelling or anything like that. No, they're, they're, they don't do a lot of the free weights and stuff right there. Because apparently that intimidates people. You know, they don't want the intense, you know, weightlifters in there. Because that, and, but you know what? Pain is sometimes the price you got to pay to get in shape. You know, you've got to be that person who's red and sweating and looking like they're about to die. But it's like people don't want to see that. But when you go to exercise, it shouldn't be this sweet little walk in the park. Not if you wanted to accomplish something. And you know what? We ought to want to be in a church where there's people that are, I mean, they are intense about the things of God. I mean, they are intense when it comes to the preaching. They get excited around the preaching of God. They're excited about soul winning. I mean, they're, they're zealous. They're always ready to go, ready to do something, making us feel bad for the little that we do. We ought to want that in our church. We shouldn't run those people off. But what do we always say about those people? Oh, those people are so heavenly minded. They're no earthly good. You ever heard that before? That's so stupid. All right. Uh, people don't have that problem. Okay. Most people are so earthly minded. They're no heavenly good. And we ought to want to be surrounded by people who are better than us. We ought to want to go into a church where we are made to feel like a sorry Christian. So it will motivate. So we will actually start wanting to be a spiritually fit person. Someone who's actually accomplished. We ought to want that. And so if, and we've got to stay focused. Hebrews, go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. See, it's easy to get to lose focus because of the fact 
that we're constantly giving into the flesh. We're constantly listening to what our flesh tells us. We do whatever it says. We don't know how to ignore it. But it says there, Hebrews 12, 1, you know, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's lay aside those things that beset us, those things that get us distracted, those things that weigh us down, whatever it is that's stopping us, let's get rid of it. Let's lay it aside. It, that might mean you might got to go and you might get throw out that television. If that's what it takes, that's what you got to do. Say, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to read through my Bible this year. And I didn't read through my Bible last year because I spent way too much time on my computer, way too much time watching television. You might need to get rid of it. You might need to say, you know what? I'm so determined to read through my Bible this year. You know, do you realize most Americans, I guarantee you every millennial in America spent enough time looking at their stupid cell phone this year, they could have read through their Bible probably three or four times. If they had looked at their Bible as much as they looked at their cell phone, when they weren't even communicating with anybody, they probably could have read through their Bible multiple times. Some of you might need to say, you know what, I'm going to lay aside my smartphone, I'm going to get a dumb phone, so I don't have anything else to do, but read my Bible. I'm going to make that happen. Why? Because these things, they so easily beset us. Lay aside the weight so easily beset us. It doesn't take hardly anything. Those little things, they throw us off. They mess us up. They get us distracted. And he says, looking unto Jesus. He's got to be the focus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint, not on your body, in your minds. You realize that's where we often faint. That, that is where we faint as a Christian. None of us in here, you know, we've never been beat up and, you know, stoned or anything like that for our faith. Okay? And I don't know any Christians like that in America. I know it's, that stuff goes on in some parts of the world, but it's not going on in America. People are not being physically persecuted for their faith, for the most part here in this country. But yet people are dropping out left and right. Why is that? Because they're fainting in their minds. They're fainting in their minds. What's going on? They're getting distracted by all these things. They're hearing all the negativity. You know, they're, they, they're hearing so much garbage that all of a sudden they think they're weary. They think they're tired, but it's all in their minds. And they end up fainting. They end up getting out of the will of God. And they end up giving in to the things of the flesh. But once again, it was all in their mind. Hey, and, I, and you all know, if I went right now and I had two saltine crackers up here. Okay, most of y'all in here, you would not think nothing of it. You would not be tempted to eat those things. If I gave them to you to eat and you ate them, you would probably not feel real satisfied, would you? I mean, two saltine crackers, no big deal, right? But you know what? Our bodies are such liars. My body's such a liar. And I've told this before, the first time I ever tried fasting, I heard my dad preach on fasting and I decided I was going to fast for a day. And it was a Wednesday. And I made it the whole day and church came and man, I was hungry. I had not eaten the entire day. And I was probably about 10 years old at the time. And I was, I was, man, I was, I thought I was going to starve to death. 
And I remember I went into the nursery and there were some crackers in there. And I ate two saltine crackers. And let me tell you something, it felt great. It was very satisfying. But then, like 10 minutes later, I'm like, I, I messed it up for that. I remember the next day, all I ate that day was those two crackers. But the next day, I was like, I didn't go a day without eating. I failed. For two crackers? I mean, it just, I was, I was disgusted with myself. Two crackers? Are you serious? You gave, you gave in for that? Yeah. You know why? Because my body lied to me. It told me I had to have those things. And I'm telling you, you know, we know we can go a day without eating and it won't kill us. But our body will lie to us. It'll tell us a stupid eye. You don't need to do those things. Go ahead, you know, and, and you know, give yourself this. You deserve it. But it, it's a lie. And we've, we've got to learn to get victories over things like that and learn to actually say no to some stuff. But we, we don't. We, we give in and we lose. And we've got to learn to lay aside weights. We've got to be faithful to the things that feed the Spirit. We need to be in church regularly. We need to be in our Bible regularly, praying all those things. We need to do those things religiously. Alright? This is a, I mean, it, whether it be a physical thing, spirit, this is, this is a part of our routine. This is what we do. We go to church on Sunday. We go to church on, on Wednesday. We read our Bible every day, maybe at this time. You know, we pray at this time. We do those things at this time. You do it religiously. You know, just like all the people that we admire, the athletes and all that, that can do all the things that they can do physically, those people are religious. You could say about their routines, about what they eat, about how they exercise. I mean, you know, you look at those people too, and they'll look at you just like you're the devil if they see you eating at McDonald's and places like that. Why? Because these people, they've said no to those things so they can accomplish Something physical. You know, they'll do those things. They're temperate in all things to obtain a corruptible crown. But these things I'm talking about, while many of them are physical, these are to help develop our character so we can actually obtain that spiritual crown. Because what is stopping us from getting the spiritual things? It's the physical all the time, isn't it? It's the physical. And we've got to get this body under control and we've got we've got to learn to ignore and overcome some things. And turn over to First Corinthians chapter nine. This is the last thing I want to uh, scripture. I want to look at First Corinthians chapter nine and verse twenty-five. It says, "And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things." Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly; so fight I, not as one that beateth the air but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. He's talking about getting his body in subjection, where it listens, to, where his body listens to what he tells him to do. Okay? And you say, oh, you know, I, we all tell our body what to do. No, we don't. Proof of that is all the diets that we can't keep. Proof of that is all the times we plan on exercising and we don't do it. Proof of that is in the morning when you're going to get up an hour later than you planned on getting up. And when you're, all these things, we constantly let our body tell us what to do in every little situation. 
And it's, it's obvious in just the, you know, the condition of people today physically, and it shows spiritually too. And if we would learn to just get our body in subjection, it would help us out spiritually. These things, these things do matter spiritually. And that's why I think fasting is a great spiritual exercise. Go a day without eating. You can do it. You find out that, hey, I can survive this. You know, go two days. You, you can go two days without eating. You, probably, you can go three days without eating. And you need to start pushing yourself to find out what you're capable of. And what happens, you end up getting experienced. That when you start feeling that hunger pain that's so bad, you know, a lot of times you're like, oh man, I'm going to die. It's only noon and I'm this hungry. Well, the thing is, if you would actually tell your body what to do, it will go away and you'll feel a little bit better for a while. Then it'll come back again. And, and you, you got to ride those things out. And, and you, you learn how to do it. I don't know how else to explain it. Same thing too when you're running and exercising. You're going to feel those pains. That pain you get in your side when you run, you just, you got to run through it. Just, just run through it. It'll go away. And, and you're going to be fine. You're not going to die. I can't tell you how many times I've went and I've done this really intense, hard workout where I just thought I was going to die. And, but you know, once you finish and you get your breath, you know, and, once you've like taken a shower and everything, I mean, I felt like I didn't do anything sometimes. Uh, it wasn't that bad. It didn't kill me. It didn't even come close to killing me. You know, I'm fine and now I'm better for it. These things all come with experience. And so we do, we've got to start getting victory over these little things in our day-to-day life. Start setting some goals, you know, little things and say, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get victory. I'm going to learn to tell myself no because that is going to develop character in our life that will actually help us when it comes to the really important things and when it comes to the spiritual things. And if we want to have any hope of accomplishing anything big for God, we've got to start getting victory on the little things. If we're not faithful in little, we're not going to be faithful in that which is much. So I challenge you to start, start setting some goals. Write some things down. You know, our founding fathers, you know, we... They were smart enough to make a constitution. They wrote a constitution limiting government. Why? Because they knew how wicked man was. You know, we weren't, we're not, we weren't just a, a true democracy that was governed by the will of the people. We were a republic. Okay? A nation governed by laws. Let's write down some laws that we have to live by. Let's force ourselves to live by this law. You know what some of us need to do? We need to write down some things in our house. We need to go and write some things down. This is the law of the McMurtry household. And, you know, whenever your kids' things start complaining, sorry, our Constitution says <laughs> that we can't do that. And isn't that what our leaders do? You know, I, I, presidents have done that. You know, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd love to give you all of these things. But you know what? We have a Constitution and it, it's kind of nice. It helps. It makes the decisions ahead of time for us because it's easy for us to get into, get into temptation and you got to set some goals and start getting victory on those little things. 
on your, in your day-to-day life. Get victory in the little things. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. And dear God, I just pray that You'll help us, Lord, to be faithful in the little things, Lord, not just, uh, or in, not just in the big things. And I pray You'll help us to be victorious, help us to make uh, victory a part of our life and a part of our routine. And I pray that, Lord, You'll use it to help us, help us accomplish great things for You in the future. In Your name we pray. Amen.